0: Welcome to Empower with Nancy's podcast, your weekly dose of inspiration, motivation, and leadership insights to help you feel empowered and equipped and live a life of fulfillment one day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Empower with Nancy. Today, I'm honored to have a truly exceptional guest who has been making waves in the world of business and personal development. Joining us today is Dr. Doreen Rivers with Alpha 81, a best-selling author who wrote Brain to Bank and recently launched Working Together Alone. She is a visionary entrepreneur and a driving force behind the transformation of individuals, teams, and companies. Her expertise lies in igniting the spark of innovation and guiding peoples toward innovating new businesses that not only thrive, but also resonate with purpose and passion. Hello, Doreen. Welcome. And I'm so super excited to have you on my podcast today. And when you and I spoke earlier last week, we just thought about what are we going to talk about? And I love the fact that I could feel so comfortable with you and we just have fun. So I felt like I've known you forever. And I just recently was introduced to you. So I'm so very grateful to have you on my podcast. It's
1: so fun to be here. And like right. uh, we hit it right off and we could talk for days about really fun things. Maybe a lot of it we wouldn't want to be public, but that would be even more fun. So here here I am to answer
0: questions, and uh, let's have a great time. All right. So our episode today is work is about work is more fun than fun. And what a topic to talk about, because most people don't feel empowered or fulfilled. They don't have fun at work. One of my questions to you is, can you talk about why you think there's often a clear boundary between work and fun in people's minds?
1: It may start with the fact that they have to work. And so the fact that you have to work and you have to earn money because you have to pay your bills, it becomes this vicious cycle. And there's not anyone in the workforce who probably isn't there in the beginning anyway, that doesn't have to fulfill obligations. Later on, it may be easier and you're working because you want to work and because you love to work and because you're driven and because you're crazily insane about creating new things. Mm -hmm. And I think people have a hard time choosing what it is that they're passionate about. And I think passion is the real word here. If you're not all excited about it, why are you doing it? Because Whatever it is you're passionate about, there are opportunities to make money in
0: mm-hmm. that
1: field. So, so go there and don't do something because your parents said, "Oh, you know, this is what you're great at," or you're taking over your father's business because there's no one else to give it to. Uh, but you hate making pies and you didn't really want to get up at four in the morning to run a bakery. <laughs> and it could be a lot of different reasons. And so, really look at what it is. What are you good at? What are you mm-hmm. excited about? When I get up in the morning, I cannot wait to get into my office. I love what I'm doing. And it fulfills me. And it's I'm passionate about it. And if you know anything about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's, it's quite an ancient triangle at this point because there are other theories that have come into play here. But we basically on the very lowest level is we need to take care of food and housing and staying warm and and it's not until you get to the very top which is the fifth level it's called self actualization and what that means is that you feel all warm and fuzzy about what you're doing and the money flows from there and not because you're forced to do it to pay the rent but because you love to do it and for whatever reason that is it could be you're helping people or you're creating an educational system that improves uh, the lives of children or whatever that project is, how great do you feel that you spent your time, which is in essence, your life Mm -hmm. on that project? And if you can't say, I feel really great that I spent today on that because today adds to tomorrow, to the next day, to the next day, pretty soon you have spent a month and a year, then you've spent a decade and then you've spent your lifetime. Why are you not doing something that makes you feel like that has gone somewhere that you feel really good about? And that's where the saying comes in for me is when I walk into my office, work is more fun than fun. And I can't wait to get in there and start. And I have a friend that lives uh, on the beaches of Maui, and he feels the same way about his work. His wife will come into the room and say, hey, do you want to you know, take a break and go down and take a walk on the beach? Now, she's saying, we're in Hawaii <laughs> and palm trees are swaying and the ocean is coming up on the sand and you can taste the salt in the air and the wind on your back. Do you want to go for a walk on the beaches of Maui? And he's saying, honey, give me another hour. And then, then she'll come in, give me another hour because he loves what he does. We should all be so fortunate to love what we do that much we'll we'll give up a walk on the beach of Maui because we cannot wait to get back to what we're working on. And I use the word work loosely because we don't
0: feel like we're working. You are so right. You and I talked about this, right? And I always practice. So it was one of the things where I'm like, we laughed at each other, like, oh my goodness, I always practice. I even put this in my five-day challenge. And I've always extended this to employees and staff is, it's so important to wake up in the morning when you put your feet on the floor and you're excited to go to work. Like it truly is. And now I have the opportunity to be able to just work from home for myself that I had been wanting to do this for years, right? Started coaching in 2019. And, and now it's just magical. It's exciting. And the one thing that my family always says, you're always working Mom." And My husband will sometimes call me on his way home from work. Hey, do you want to go have dinner or let's go for a walk? No, I'm in the middle of something. Babe, just walk away. It's going to be there tomorrow. No. Or if I do, as soon as I come home, what do I do? Come back in my office and I'm working. And the next thing you know, it's like two o'clock in the morning. And I'm a workaholic, but when you enjoy loving what you do, it's, it's not work. You're having what? Fun. (laughs)
1: <laughs> at the end of that day, you don't feel like you've been in your office all day. You feel like it was an hour and you're thinking, oh my gosh, it's seven o'clock. It's eight o'clock. It's like, I've been here all day and I haven't even noticed the time flying. Wow, you really nailed it when your day goes like that. Instead of looking at the clock and going, is it five o'clock yet? Can I clock out yet? When can I go home? I don't mm-hmm. want to be here. That, I can't think of a worse existence mm-hmm. than thinking that every day. And you're literally wasting every hour and every day in a place that you don't want to be, which means you're not contributing at the level you're capable of contributing. Yes. And so you they step back and you look in the mirror and you just say, this isn't working for me. What can
0: I do differently? Mm-hmm. And you know, like you said earlier mm-hmm. is going in and enjoying what you're doing and not being, how do I explain it? It's, it's such a challenge to do what people do that they hate to do just to collect a paycheck. And so what are some of the challenges and boundaries that we can share to the audience to help them feel empowered and fulfilled in doing what they love to do?
1: I think to realize first and foremost, everyone on this call knows that everyday matters. So what are you doing with that one day? It's not like, oh, I'll look at this next year or I'll look at this in three years or look at it when the kids are out of school or in the rare instance where pensions exist, which they barely do anymore. Mm -hmm. Maybe you do have uh, 18 more months before you collect a pension from the army and you've been in there 18 and a half years and a year and a half gets you a pension for the rest of your life. Well, that's worth considering. But that's one in a million. And those Mm -hmm. circumstances don't really offer themselves up in this day and age. They don't exist hardly ever anymore. And so you have to say every day does matter. And I think the big first thing to do is to decide where, what would you rather be doing? Where do you want to go and get a clear vision of that? It's not like I want to quit my job and I want to go somewhere else. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere because you don't know where you're going. So you have Mm -hmm. to decide I wanted to start my own business in helping people with marketing. I've wanted to do it my whole life. I'm working for this marketing company. I'm clocking in. People are bossing me around. Uh, they don't like my ideas. They don't appreciate who I am. And I wish I had my own agency. And But I don't have the guts to walk away and not have a paycheck. So I'm stuck here. And it's like, you're never stuck anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: you have to decide what's more important what you want to do, be passionate about it and feeling the freedom of all of that or sucking it up every day. We, you, There's a choice there. Which one do you want? And right. you have to be clear on what you want. As soon as you decide that now you
0: can make your game plan. Like you said earlier, life is short and it time flies. We can be here today and gone tomorrow. Next thing you know, it's like you're in the back of your mind, as you're working for something in the back of your mind, it's like, gosh, I wish I can start my own business. And then what do we do? We put that fear into our heads and we're scared to make the move. And I want to talk about experience with you is like, what, what, when, and what, how did you decide to want to be your own boss? And what was that trigger? Did something a tragic happen where you work for somebody else, and then now you you said, "Okay, I had enough, enough, and I'm ripping that bandaid off, and I'm going to be my own boss." Can you share a little bit about that?
1: It really started when I was eight years old, and I started my first business when I was eight mm-hmm. with my brother, and we were going down the street and our well on our bicycles, and seeing that these kids had all these lemonade stands, and we're going, "Gosh, they're making money!" And our family didn't have money, and if we wanted the money, we had to make it. And at eight years old, and my brother's nine, and we're, we're thinking, well, what could we do? We don't want to do lemonade stand and compete with three others on the street. So we decided to take the, those old metal ice cube trays, the ones that you crack open. Oh, yes. And uh, film with Kool-Aid. And then you have to remember halfway through the process to put your little toothpicks in. So they become these little baby popsicles that we called cubesicles. And the lemonade was selling for one cent. So we decided we're selling it for two cents. We have a novel item here. And within a week, we were selling out every day. And we had all the lemonade business as well because they were coming to get cubicles because he had something that no one else had. And we figured out how to create a market for it. And as I went through life, I had a few jobs working for other people. But once I got out of college, i kept trying to work for other people and it just didn't work out well and i had to decide at some point that i honestly had too many ideas that i wanted and i wanted to uh figure out how to get those into the marketplace and i'm sure that all of your listeners have at least one idea that they've had for a really long time something they want to produce a product a service they'd like to give to others Mm -hmm. But they don't know where to start. And so I learned how to figure all that out and where to start. And then I just started. And I realized I really am unemployable. So I will figure out how to do this on my own. And I, I never looked back. And the word fear, fear really is being afraid of something in the future that hasn't happened yet. Right. And it's It's like, why would your brain go there? It hasn't happened. You're making this up in your head. And once you realize that you have that fear, that's the first step. You say, okay, I'm afraid of this. Now, what am I going to do next? It's not, I'm going to quit. It's like, okay, I'm afraid. So what? And what's the next step? I'm going to keep going. And that grit is what gets you going and then keeps you going through the hard times so that you get from A to B to C, all the way to, to Z, which is launching your product or your service and, or your company and being on your own is realizing that
0: everybody else felt like that too. They, they, that's how they started, right? And you, we've made some mistakes, but you learn from it and you don't go in it fearing, right? Because if you start going into it fearing, it's not going to go down the path that you desire fear is just a belief. It's not a fact, right? And most people don't think that they just fear, 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 fear. I, or I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have the money. I don't have the support. And you tend to, what do you do? You make excuses. Because I know I did over the years. I was scared. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, years ago, I had my own consulting business and it was great. We had fun. And then I closed it, right? And my husband got in a, a really bad uh, motorcycle accident. I We closed it and then I go to work for someone else and going to work for a company, I treat a company as though it's my own. I'm not per se like a controlling person, but when I have a vision and I see what I want to do and something or someone gets in my way, it's like, ah, I don't want that. So I just want to go for it. <laughs> The challenge is it's challenge is fun. You learn from challenges and you just have to go and do it. I know that's easier said than done, but once you start it, it just feels phenomenal.
1: Agree? Agreed, agreed. Here's a really good lesson I learned along the way. I, I tell this story in my book, Brain to Bank. And I went to a, a personal awareness kind of a retreat for a week and it was up in the mountains and we did all these uh, recreational things and repelling and all these things that are geared to have you overcome your fear. And one of the exercises we did was to climb this 50-foot pole, a wooden telephone pole. Oh and they had pegs on it that you would climb up with your hands and your and your feet. Okay, you got to the top. And you, you had a harness and you had a helmet on and all the safety was there. And I sat at the bottom and I watched a couple of people go up that pole And when you get to about 40 feet up or even 30, the pole starts to sway because Ah. there's there's nothing holding it up and your weight is starting to make it move. It's windy up there. Uh, It's way different than being on the ground. When they got up to, there's one peg that's like 14 or 15 inches before you reach the top. Mm -hmm. There's nothing at the top to pull yourself up with your arms. You have to put your left leg on there. And then take your right leg up and stick it on the pole and stand up, holding on to absolutely nothing. So people would get up to that last rung and they would just hang there for minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I watched one woman sit there for almost an hour into putting her other foot up there. She eventually crawled back down the pole and I watched many, many people get that far and they just couldn't put their foot up there. And I'm thinking two things. One, I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. And two, what's the worst thing that can happen? I try to put my other foot up there and I fall down and the wires catch me and I get back in line to do it. Again, Again. that's the worst thing that can happen. Starting your own business is the same way. Put your other foot up there. If you fail, get back in line and climb again. And it was the most poignant lesson I ever had about getting over your fear and realizing it's not fear. It's just a lesson you've learned about how not to do it. Now get back in line.
0: Mm-hmm. That very powerful, very, very powerful. Well said. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> In your opinion, what elements contribute to making work genuinely enjoyable? Like what makes work enjoyable?
1: I think everyone will agree that if you like what you're doing and you're passionate about it, it's enjoyable. It's
0: enjoyable.
1: The mm-hmm. other thing that really helps, there's a phrase called being in your zone of genius, and, and what that means is you, you is that you've chosen something you're really good at, you're inherently good at. We are out of our zone of genius when we are doing something that is difficult. We're not used to it. We're not good at it. We're not experienced at it, and it makes it not chal- not only challenging but Distasteful because we're trying to make ourselves do something that we're not good at. Mm -hmm. There's a saying that a a coach, Dan Sullivan, he says, and he says, People tell you to work on your weaknesses. And what happens when you work on your weaknesses is that you get strong weaknesses. He said, Mm -hmm. Work on your strengths. And Mm -hmm. so look at what you're strong at. There is a plethora of online tools where you can take these quizzes and tests and things and that tells you what you're good at and that just verifies what you think you're good at and make your work about that and you'll love what you're doing because you're already good at it you have something to offer you keep getting better at it absolutely and the opportunities and the doors open because you're honing in your strengths and the skills that you possess that's where the happiness comes from i'm doing something that's great that i love if you're doing that you're thinking, I had a
0: really great day because mm-hmm. it felt good to do what you're doing. Right, you enjoy doing what you're doing. It's one of those tests you're saying is is our favorite test, right? The Colby, <laughs> which is powerful because I think that test, that assessment, it's really a test. That assessment is very powerful. I It is so on point, it's scary. Like how could this assessment come up to this end result By asking a few questions. And some of those questions are the same questions, but just asked a different way. The assessment's fun. I think anybody should go and take that assessment and then reflect on themselves. The other thing is getting everyone's scared to get out of the comfort zone. Everyone's very comfortable with what they're doing and they don't wanna bother it, right? So get out of your comfort zone because it really does feel good.
1: There's Um, no no growth in that, right? There's no. no growth in just staying where you are. Yes,
0: agreed. Many people, in my opinion, Doreen, pursue careers they think will be financially rewarding, but not necessarily enjoyable. How can individuals strike a balance between financial security and finding work that brings them joy? Because even though we've talked about the enjoyment... People worry about the financial piece, which is normal, right? We all do make sure that we could pay our bills. But how do you get out of that of taking the next step and doing what you love to do? And they may have to take a step back financially.
1: I think it's almost by switching the fact that people look for jobs that are financially secure and then they try to like them. Mm-hmm. So what if you started with what you really like and then try to find a job that matches that? When you do that, you'll become really proficient at what you're working at because you already love it and you're going to get better at it. The financial opportunities come from becoming better and sticking with it and honing in your skills and getting those experiences that move you from platform to platform as you go along that trajectory.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. That's definitely well said. Could you discuss a time when you witnessed someone shift their perspective from seeing work as a chore to experiencing it a source of joy? And I'm sure you've probably run into that with your clients that you help, right?
1: (laughs) There are a lot of clients. I work with companies quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I brought on an assistant who had graduated from college. And he needed a job and he needed any job, but he wasn't sure this was going to be fun, but he took it like everyone does for the money, right? Absolutely. We had enough experience at that company that we could see what he was really good at. And we were able to provide him opportunities to utilize those skills. A lot of companies don't take the time, but companies these days actually have that EQ where they're looking at. What is this person good at? Let's find a good fit and let's give them things that they're really good at. Because at the end of the day, that benefits the company as well as it does Mm -hmm. the employee. And so we gave him, and I actually created some job titles for him that didn't existed that he became really good at. And he later was able to use those skills to uh, apply and get his MBA and then get another job from there. But it all came from okay, what are your skills? What are you really good at? Let's figure out how to use those in the company. A lot of times it's backwards. Most of the time it's backwards, right? Correct, and correct. It, there's this big list of what we want on the job listing. And then if you don't put those in your resume Posting and in your cover resume. letter, the they, computer yeah. pops you out and yes. no the knows you ever existed. So you have to play the game of, oh, I have all these skills. I love this. Once you get there, it may or may not be anything like what that job listing is. So be very clear about what you're great at and save it for the interview. Mm -hmm. If you have to go through the job posting way of doing things and save it for the interview. And you ask the questions, what opportunity would I have to be able to do this and this and this and get your answers there before you even start instead of trying to, Put a fit the box square square peg in, into the round yep. hole. Let's say here's the round peg. Where can I fit that in your company so that you can maximize the great skills that I have to offer you? Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you nailed that because it, most companies do. You they interview, they look at your resume, right? Like you said, nowadays it goes through a machine, and and if something didn't wasn't on your resume, you're pushed to the side and you just push someone to the side that could be a phenomenal candidate for your organization. So it was always important for me when I interviewed somebody is the real basics. When you're interviewing, right, for a company or for a job and you don't have the eye contact, right? You're looking off to the side or you don't have that personality. You may not have to be a cheerleader or what have you? But if you could see this person has quality Knowing that they're trainable, you can bring them in the organization. They have a great attitude. They're a team player. Interviews tell a lot. Even if you're not a good interview, you can kind of sense this person's going to be a really good worker, right? Good employee. And then you learn on the job. Most of us learn on a job and we, most of us don't fit every single description of that job posting. You go in, see if you're a good match to the company, the culture, and if you are, sky's the limit. As long as you are a team player and you're willing to learn, learning on the job is the best, regardless of background, of college, career, or, or what have you, having an MBA, all that is really good. But it at the end of the day, it's all about you and the type of person the character you are. So you definitely nailed that. And most organizations don't look at that anymore, which is a little disappointing. But
1: all day long, I will hire someone who's excited and passionate and enthusiastic and positive yes. over someone that has a ton of skills because you can always teach skills, but you can't teach attitude. I'm hundred percent. Character and attitude comes in. That's everything. You can learn the rest of it.
0: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Girl, just love you. (laughs) (laughs) You get it. And in our society today, that often values busy nest and hustle culture, right? How can we encourage people to prioritize and seek out work that aligns with their passion? And I know it kind of goes a little bit about like what we talked about But sometimes it's something that you may want to do, like it seems exciting, but you're really not passionate about it. Should it just really be, if you're really passionate about doing something, just go for it, do it and enjoy it and have fun at the end of the day, right? I think so. And I
1: don't think it needs to be something you choose for the rest of your life. Go test drive it. Right. If you're in a job and you really need that paycheck, which is probably most of you, Try the other thing out on the side and see how it works out. And most importantly, what does it feel like to mm-hmm. you to do that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Are, you, are you loving what you're doing? Are you wishing you could do more of it? Those are questions to ask yourself, but it's more of an internal, what does that feel like when I do this? And it's like, I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Well, you've got something there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agree, agree. You want to talk a little bit about Brain to Bank. Give the audience a little bit, like, what made you write this book and tell us about it?
1: Brain to Bank, How to Get Your Idea Out of Your Head and Cash In, <laughs> is an accumulation of 30 years of experience in helping other people to start their companies. I find that most people have at least one or more really great ideas, but they really don't know where to start. In helping these companies, get up and running, there were so many mistakes as expected Mm -hmm. that they learned as they were going along. For example, there was a company who was creating a metal part and it had to be cast and they decided to use a manufacturer to help them to produce this part. But one of the uh, engineers was so sure that he was The most brilliant person in the room that he insisted that this manufacturing company produce it exactly like he says it should be done. And the manufacturing company, who does this all day long and has seen everything under the sun as far as what works and what doesn't, couldn't persuade him to what about this? What about that? He wouldn't listen to their suggestions. And we call that designing for manufacturing, DFM. And it's a real thing that you want to hire someone who knows how to design for manufacturing. Mm -hmm. This guy that was uh, in the the C-suite of this company just kept saying, I know what I'm talking about and I want you to do it this way. And so they made him sign a waiver that said, "Okay, we are do it exactly like you say and sign here. And at the end of the day, uh, this guy was given boxes and boxes of a million different metal parts that ended up being boat anchors for something else because they were insufficiently designed. That's just a it cost the company millions, millions. Of because mm-hmm. this guy had an ego where he wouldn't listen to other people. There is a story in every chapter about what someone did wrong, and I tell these because they are real stories about real startups that happen and can happen again and will happen again over and over. So I say, here's what they did. And at the end of the day, it cost them time and or money and maybe their company. So now do this instead. And it really is a true roadmap that takes you for the concept of idea to commercialization and actually making money with it. And you're going to do your business plan, and here's how to do marketing, and here's how you set up your entity. Do you want an LLC? Do you need a corporation? Here's what to do. There are 17 chapters, and at the end of every chapter, it's like, okay, now you've read about manufacturing. Here are the things that you need to do for your own company. Do this, this, and this, and write it down. And by the time you've done that through those chapters, you've created your company and your plan and everything that goes with it. And you should be able to launch your product or service. And it just makes it easy because now you know where to start. People don't know where to start. Here's where mm-hmm. you start. Chapter one. Now right. do you from chapter
0: one. And they overthink it, right? Like, oh my, where do I start? You, I love the books that you wrote. And I haven't, I started to read The Brain to Bank, which I'm loving it. Then I stopped. And last night, your new launched book, uh, Working Together Alone, was amazing. I finished the book in like an hour and a half. I could not put it down, right? And it was so simple. And just the way it was written, and then you gave pictures, and you were yourself in this book, you were not portraying somebody that you were not, and you made it simple. And so what is working together alone all about? The virtual assistant. So I'm going to give you the floor to talk about it because girl, I loved it. And I looked at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm overthinking that. That was simple. She just literally spelled everything out in this book that I was ready to run downstairs. As I told you before, I was ready to work and start like you said, get to work. (laughs) And I was ready to run and, and start this virtual assistant as I've been thinking about getting the right person. And like you said, interview multiple of them, look at the company, make sure they're in compliance and don't overthink it. And they're pretty much an extension of you and you don't have to do a whole lot of training. Just don't overthink it. And I want you to talk a little bit about this new book because I'm definitely going to give you some high ratings on Amazon because it was really good. Thanks for doing that in advance.
1: um, (laughs) I found when I would start companies, one of the first things that people tend to do is hire people in-house too soon. And -hmm. what that gives you is overhead and payroll deadlines that you have to meet every two weeks or every week or every month, however you've set that up. And people rely on you for that because they're expecting their paycheck every two weeks so they can pay their rent and buy food and whatever else they need it for. And people bring people on too soon thinking that everyone has to be in-house. They Mm -hmm. don't. It's one of the best tools of this day and age, which keeps getting better, is being able to hire other people that don't work for you to work for you when you need them. So, for example, if I'm going to, create a video that's a sizzle video, one minute video, and it's going to tell you all about Brain to Bank, and I'll put it on my website. Well, in the past, you would have to have all this in-house production studio or hire (laughs) a whole production studio. Instead, I was able to hire an editor, someone who does sound effects, somebody who could do the narration for me, Mm-hmm. And then someone to go find all of the pictures to put it together for a one minute video. In the past, I would have to have all those people under my contract or hire a studio that cost me a ton of money. Instead, I had four different people in four different countries mm-hmm. with four different cost breaks to pull this together for me. All I had to do is be a general contractor on a house and be over the whole thing and just make sure everyone's doing their job so the house or the video, or whatever it is, turns out perfectly. And I got to choose every single one of those to be different every time I did a video if I wanted to work for someone different on that. Or it's a different project and you need someone that writes copy or someone to do the graphic designs. There are so many people that are online now that are looking for what they call gigs, which Mm -hmm. means it's a short-term baby contract where you're going to hire them and in one week they're going to deliver it and you can tell them what you need differently and then you pay them and and you're done and you Mm -hmm. work with them later again or you don't. But I, I probably work with 12 different VAs every week to help pull projects together and that's what the book is about. How do you find a good virtual assistant? How do they get paid? What's the best way to communicate with somebody who has English as a second language? How do you lead these people and keep track of what they're doing and incentivize them? And if they're really good, how do you get them back again? Right. And it's all in the book. It's one of the best tools that a founder of a new startup or someone that already has a company that needs interim things. It's just a great way to conduct business and hire people when you need them for what you do without the overhead.
0: Mm -hmm. Agreed. You really bullet pointed everything in every single chapter. There were small, simple chapters. And the fact that if they're out of the country while you're sleeping, the work is getting done. And then you talk about the time management, right, of it. What are some of, in a nutshell, what are some of the suggestions on how to go about hiring a virtual assistant? And one of the things that I didn't even think about was the compliance piece of it and the different laws in a different country to compare to where you're at. Can you just touch a little bit about that?
1: Well, there are a lot of different platforms that do this. There's Fiverr, there's Upwork, there's Freelancer, there's Guru, they're all different. So the first thing to do is just sign up with a trial for free and see what they offer. And Mm -hmm. some of them are different levels. Uh, I find that some platforms have higher Levels of professionals there for maybe you want to do a financial analysis as opposed to someone to create you a graphic for a PowerPoint that you're putting together. And and so just play on them and you can play Mm -hmm. for free. Mm -hmm. And then, so let's say, for example, you choose Fiverr and let's say you need to have a graphic done for a PowerPoint. I, because that's a very, very inexpensive gig, it might cost you $10. I will give it to three different people that I really think are great after I'm looking at who they have to offer. And I'll give it to three different people because I want to see who's really good. And I want to see who gets it in on time, who asks the right questions. What does their design look like? And really for $30 instead of 10, I've just found someone really good I can work with on many different projects because I just tested them out and then give them smaller projects as you... Get to know who they are. When you feel really comfortable, you give them these big projects. Like I'm creating an online course, and I need 200 images. And here's what here's what that looks like. And you already know they can do great work. And you just say, okay, we're I'm going to give you the first chapter. And if it goes really well, I'll give you the other 17 chapters, and we've got a deal. Yes. So test them out. You'll. I would say I have had to fire. No, less than three percent. Maybe less than less than three percent of who I ever hired. Then there's levels. These guys are good. These guys are great. These guys are exceptional. I want to keep them. And you just you could they let you put those in folders of people that you want to work with again, so they're easy to find
0: again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I've noticed and what I've learned is even though my business is small, it's just me right now. I am constantly busy. So all the the admin work and the postings and the reels and the stories, I mean, I have to do my reels and I have to do my s- stories and I have a really good marketing person, but there's so much the newsletters, right? My different courses that I'm doing. And I look at that and say, I'm up so late at night and I'm starting my business. You know, I don't care if you're just in it for a couple of months Hire that virtual assistant, like you say, for very minimal. You don't have to worry about that overhead. And the most expensive thing or the worry in, in any business is marketing and payroll, right? That's the most expensive thing. So now the virtual assistants are amazing. They, I don't look at it, a lot of people thinking, oh my goodness, they're going to have virtual assistants and AI. They're going, They're going to really, a lot of people are going to be without jobs. No, because you do still have to have that human being to do certain things. But the virtual assistant in a startup business, as we were talking earlier today, is for the fraction of what we would pay to bring them in-house is definitely worth it. And then you have to feel bad that if you hired someone in-house, oh my gosh, I got to wait for the 90 days or let them go right away. And then you feel (laughs) bad. Then you got to go through the whole worry about the labor law and the compliance you don't have to worry about any of that
1: right so there, there's none of it and uh, all no. the virtual assistants uh are 1099s you don't hire yes. them you don't have to do taxes on them or anything else there's a book by uh, dan sullivan and dr benjamin harding it's called who not how and the whole book is all about all the things people have to do and most of it really if they look at it the right way can be farmed out to someone else So, when you get a project that's overwhelming, you don't say, How am I going to get this done? You say, Mm -hmm. Who can I get to do this? Mm -hmm. And that's where virtual assistants come in because all of those different tasks might be different. Great. Hire eight different ones to do all the different ones. Fine. Guess what? You just saved 40% of your time on that whole day by farming that out. What can you do with that 40% of time and that 40% of cost? that it costs you to do it. It's like, well, I'll put it toward marketing and now I get to work on the overline plan of my next book, which only I can do. You only do the things that you're really great at. Everything else should go to somebody else. That's why virtual assistants are so great. Those are your who's, not your how.
0: Agree. And as a business owner, I want to spend your time. Your time well spent is the growth and ideas of your company, not the admin work. When I started to read your book, the story when you're at Starbucks <laughs> and you're seeing everyone like running around with their heads cut off. Let me have this. Let me have this latte with the suite of this and all of the million things in their coffee. And you're just sitting there working and everyone's running around, their heads cut off, and you're like, oh, well, I have a virtual assistant that does X, Y, Z. Like, you made it funny. The way you're explaining (laughs) it, it just seems like it was just so easy. But it truly is, right? It truly is. Have fun with it. It truly is. It's a very
1: short learning curve, and you're up and running. And the more you do it, the better you'll be at it, and you'll be able to discern who's really great right off the bat which makes you even better and faster and more efficient at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yes, just start. It's like
0: everything else, just start. (laughs) Well, this was a pleasure. And Doreen, I am so very grateful to have you on my podcast. This was fun. And I really look forward to working together and just bouncing ideas off and leading a journey together. Again, thank you so much for being on this podcast today. And I want to end with everyone can find your books on Amazon, right? And even the newest book, Working Together Alone. So I would suggest listeners, for those who are listening to this Mm -hmm. podcast, go and buy Brain to Think and Working Together Alone. They are phenomenal books. And I will leave with a simple with true appreciation and gratitude, Nancy Davidson and Doreen Rivers. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a rating and review and share it with a friend to connect with me and get all the behind the scenes content. You can follow me on Instagram at empower Nancy. And visit my website https Semicolon forward slash forward slash with Nancy.com to learn more about how coaching with me can significantly enhance your life and business. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. See you next time.